sent to Earth from the darkest depths of space to fight crimes and talk about the subjects not many men dare to go. With faces only a blind mother could love, arms like a silverback gorilla, and more hair on their chest than something really, really hairy. Like really hairy. Prepare to be astounded and bedazzled by the wondrous voices of your two hosts, GK and F. Stand by for a live broadcast. Moyen Interweb, welcome back, JK and F, episode 13, The Baker's Dozen, Felicity Looks Better with Long Hair. Uh, F, back, back in the studio after two days on, uh, or two shows on the road, which is uh, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be recording and, and having a cup of coffee on, on a Saturday, midday, and, and, and you know, the world is at our feet, gentlemen, there is so much wonder in the day, and speaking of wonder and amazingness, we have a special guest today, we have our good pal Evan Sutter in the studio, hello Evan. G'day boys, pleasure to be joining you on this fine day. Mate, we're stoked, <laughs> stoked to have you in, and for the listeners, Evan is a, uh, I guess he's a two-time novelist, he's got two books out there. He's the, I guess, creator and co-founder, director of The Happiness Compass, and he's just fresh off uh, being the keynote speaker at the world's, I think it was the biggest convention for happiness, Evan, yeah? Yeah, the world's biggest on um, happiness and well-being, yeah. and um, I definitely wasn't the main keynote speaker there. There were plenty of great speakers, you know, headlined by Mattel Ricard, who's a you know famous monk and also coined as, you know, the happiest man alive, and a whole range of leading psychologists, positive psychologists in the world, so it was great to be in their company, you know? oh, dude, this is so interesting. Can I start off? Uh, can I can we, let's let's talk about that for a moment? Because when you talk about happiness, right? Happiness to me is it? It's a pretty subjective thing. It's like hmm. you know what makes Geordie happy, what makes Ev, what makes Far happy. It's kind of subjective. What is there like a universal kind of um, definition for happiness, like in the realms that you kind of travel in? Um, I think it's probably in terms of the definition of happiness. It's probably the most you know, discussed term on the planet, you know, everyone's got their own definition for happiness. And I think the, you know, the technological term is like subjective well-being. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, as you said, everyone's different in different stages of your life. Like 10 years ago, my definition of happiness was vastly different to what it is now. And yeah. I think with you guys having kids, it changes again. So I think, you know, that's why it's so subjective because at different stages and, you know, people, all, all different parts of the world, it's considerably yeah, it's, different and yeah. it's constantly yeah constantly moving and changing obviously mm. to different factors and facets that are in your life at that time and that, yeah. that point mm. of your life so dude with the like uh obviously the happiness compass that that's the the thing you co-founded mm. what's a bit i sort of did a little bit of looking into it. it looks like you got a lot of sort of inspirational people doing a lot of different writers and people that are putting some cool content out there and stuff like that but uh Looks like there's a there's a looks like there's a bubble of this sort of I don't know if it's I don't want to uh, stereotype uh, area codes or something but the Northern Beaches seems to be this sort of a hub of this hub of uh, content and yeah. I don't know this little bubble of and I was talking to Simon Williams who's mm, been like on a it. cultural kind it's of it's a bubble. cultural bubble of like people putting out some just different sort of stuff from the norm and that I guess is that where a lot of the writers and stuff from the happiness compass um, I think like you know obviously there's a lot of spots where there's a lot more hubs of creativity and mm. you know when I lived in Bondi there was a lot of that happening there on the eastern suburbs and also on the north side so um, I guess just pockets of people go there because you know when you're working in those sort of areas the when you surround yourself with more people like that, and you know things get flowing more. You're inspired more, and I think it just sort of naturally people just gel together. And you know we've got Simon over there on the northern beaches, and a, and a bit of a crew on the east side. So we do a lot of our talks in Surrey Hills and a, a lot of events in Bondi. So 
um, you know, people were, you know, sort of how, coming together over there. How did you start something like that? Like, what was the, the driving force to start? Can I come back and clarify, like, the Happiness Compass? Is it? Um, it's an organisation. Mm-hmm. Is it like an NGO? Is it? Yeah, what's well, a what's a social enterprise? We've got like yep. you know a not for profit and a for profit. Obviously, that those funds drive to yeah, so yeah. we can keep on doing all the good stuff. And a lot of the stuff we do, pretty much everything goes back into. You know, everything's got a cause. You know, like even our products when we, you know, a program which we're, we're getting out there to, to hopefully to schools and to different sporting organisations and HR and corporates and whatnot. That's awesome. Um, you know, around mindfulness and emotional intelligence, positive psychology. All that sort of goes back so we can run social initiatives like the, the one we've got in Bogota in Colombia yeah. where we um we get young children in disadvantaged communities to illustrate children's stories. But, you know, I could have just got any illustrator to create these mm-hmm. books and sell them in bookstores. But, you know, when I was travelling in South America last year in Bogota, um, you know, I think the stats are something like 99% of kids in, in these public schools in Bogota leave school at 14. So if they leave school at 14, the cycle of poverty just continues, you know. So they need something more that engages them on a mm-hmm. deeper level. So they want to, you know, get stuck into lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. So projects like this where they really get engaged and it's really creative and it's dynamic and they learn things like English and literary skills at the same time mm-hmm. is sort of really important. So we try to drive things into different social initiatives like that. That's awesome, dude. I love how you, you're providing opportunities for disadvantaged um, mm. kids in Bogota. Like that's mm. incredible because it's something that not – that doesn't cross too many people's minds like that kind of is it almost like making sure you you kind of feeling i don't know some sort of equilibrium in inwards to to project outwards is that is that like like philosophically is that like kind of look after ev because ev can look after more people in the world is that is that Um, some sort of philosophy i don't think it's like it just sort of organically happened you know it wasn't like sort of like a you know, felt like I needed to do these things to make myself feel better or anything like that. I just sort of, um, you know, I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but when I spent three months living in the monastery, I sort of had so much time to stop and sort of, you know, really examine my life and consider it a lot more to sort of really feel like, you know, what I was actually doing with my time. Yeah. And I think when you stop and you give yourself a lot of time and space, things like empathy and compassion sort of build on that. Mm-hmm. And I think prior to that, I was probably very selfish and stuck in my ways and didn't really think about anybody else and um you know the more i sort of saw a lot of people from different walks of life while i was traveling through south america central america and asia i just felt like there was a need for you know to to maybe do something there's a lot of great people doing great things there but Mm. you know just felt that you know being creative and being curious and creating projects that could you know, help some people at the same time is, you know, an easy thing to do. So, yeah, that time, sorry, Father, that time in the monastery, which I, well, I think that's pretty an interesting topic, that sort of, it sounds like it's the, uh, I guess, where this, the subtle change starts. Yeah, was that <clears> like <throat> a psychological shift for you? Is that... Oh, that that totally transformed my life, to be honest. Um, three months in a place that's super uncomfortable, vastly different to anything I ever experienced in my life. It just sort of... And because it was such a... You know, significant time, three months. It wasn't a week. It wasn't two weeks. It was three months away from TV, phone, electricity, friends, alcohol, drugs, sex, all these usual distractions where we get covered up in and mm-hmm. sort of just use, you know, like I found that probably the key thing was that, you know, when, when I was at home prior to that, when I was bored or lonely, you cover it up. We run away from things that feel bad. Gratify and we, me. Yeah, I and need- we, yeah, and we chase things that feel good. So, yeah. you know, I never really felt bored and I ne- was never lonely because I'd had my phone or ring up a girl or you go out drinking and mm-hmm. here I had no choice but to sit with myself and 
see what was inside this beast, you know. That's it, awesome. It's mm. a huge change from like your that's that's a huge change, like you're saying, from your first book. Um, what was the, the name of the first? Your first yeah, one, Scribbles on the Wall. Yeah, Scribbles yeah. on the Wall. Which uh, there's, there's even a chapter on it of your your New Orleans, I think it was, yeah. and you jumping fences and running away from gunshots. That's a far cry from sitting in a monastery, and mm. even a person that would go to a monastery probably was that even in your psyche of well, something you'd want to do. Well, it was just a chance run of events, I guess. That you know, like prior to that, yeah, I was you know drinking alcohol, taking drugs, chasing women for years and years and years, and you know, I had that adventure in New Orleans where, you know, because I got into a, a very inebriated state, ended up in a part of town which isn't too too good to be in and mm-hmm. for anyone. And, yeah, and again, you know, shot up and running through the projects for 30 minutes, you know. Um, Fuck. <laughs> and um, and then, well, not all this wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened if, you know, one of my brothers just happened to be a monk. So... Yeah, so do you get that? Is that, is that how? I don't know, do you get a phone call? Do monks have like even no, a phone no. to give you a call? Or well, you- I guess he saw me in this sort of cycle, this yeah, never-ending yeah. circle, chasing after pleasures. I guess this pleasure trap of, of sorts. And he emailed me, and you know, trying to convince me to come over. And you know, some of the emails are like, you know, you know, a new, will a new job or a new girl or a new location will that make you happy? You know, maybe you need to learn the tools to be happy. Um, maybe you need to redi- redirect your energy. And a whole range of different emails over a period of time, and I, you know, sort of read his emails, resume my hangover, resume my work week, and sort of push it to the side. And then, you know, obviously he was a monk; he was very patient, and he the emails kept on coming. And so, your physic, your brother, your mm-hmm. actual brother, he's. What, tell me how that how how did that be how did that come about? Well, he um, it was a sort of long long progress for him. He was um, doing a lot of yoga. Mm-hmm. teaching yoga and then from there got more into the spiritual side of things read a lot of books a book by Thich Nhat Hanh who started this center over in France called Plum Village and um got really into his teachings a lot of, a lot about the practice of mindfulness and you know meditation and, and whatnot and we were actually doing a trip through Europe doing a surf trip in France Spain Portugal and we dropped him off at the at the monastery and he went there for like a, a month two month retreat and he came and met us a, a few months later and um, he loved it, and he just, you know... Was it a notable change of that, just that first two months? Like, yeah, you see yeah. your brother and go, mm. yeah, this is... And, you know, it wasn't like, you know, just, you know, a shock thing. He was doing it gradually anyway. Mm. He was teaching yoga and reading and really sort of changed mm. his life around prior to that. And then he went back a year later and stayed. So, mm. it's that's cool. So, like, your brother has probably had one of the most profound impacts on your life. Yeah, and- well... Essentially, if he didn't send me those emails and then care enough for, you know, I guess... Reach out. Yeah, like a bit worried about that circle I was in and if he didn't, you know, take the time to really sort of send those emails again and again, I never would have visited him. probably still in that cycle, which yeah, is, well, which I, is a, I think a lot of people are. You, you mm. go on that cycle, like you say, it's drink, girls, drugs, whatever mm. it might be, whatever your vice is, mm-hmm. you're stuck in that vice and then you're probably pushing away whatever's sort of fulfilling your inner mm. self to go to work, your nine to five, because you have to do your nine to five to afford your mm. two days, two day weekend mm. life that is the the perpetual cycle of yeah, drink, yeah. drugs, girls, phone, internet, sort of whatever. Yeah, well, it's, it is. it's certainly not mm. different to majority of people. No, you know, we find that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you get so you get these emails. This is this intrigues me. This fascinates me so so much. So you get these emails and you go. Uh, obviously, your brother's patient over a period of time, and then you go, "Oh, I'm buying a ticket." 
Well, the, you sent a whole range of different emails, you know, about, you know, when in your life have ever stopped, you know, and it's an important question because we rush so fast, we strive, we're always mm-hmm. moving, but when do we ever stop to sort of question why you started doing it in the first place? Um, so that came through, got my attention, and then he sent through the, the email that really got me. He said, you, you want to meet a mature, kind, authentic woman and learn the tools to love one generally? You know, come and come and visit me and, and, and see that. And, oh, man. And, um, that's incredible. And he knew that if he mentioned women at that stage, I'd probably, <laughs> that's a, that's a probably go and thing. visit him. And, <laughs> so when you go there, you're like, where's the club? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, when I, when I first got there, wow, I was like, you know, you know, the most uncomfortable patch of my life, really. And Was it withdrawals? It was like, fuck, I want to I wanna do shit. Did yeah, you? well, that's the thing. That's the thing I, I found so strange when I got there because there were people everywhere, you know, really happy doing relatively little and that's quite a strange thing here because you're used to doing 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 and you know you sort of get used to those entertainments around you're you creating and creating that happiness or yeah. that happiness mm. is yeah and we really really like did i ever prior to that find any happiness just by myself always mm. needed something external mm. and going to this place where people from all walks of life was quite a you know interesting very very uncomfortable for the first four weeks while you're sort of breaking down those habits which have built up for 20 years we always yeah. need to be you know, entertained. Mm. Hey, so when, can you kind of describe the monastery? Like, is there a community about? Like, is there, is it a village? Mm. And is it just a part of a village? Is that? It's actually a beautiful spot. It's like, you know, in the south of France, sweeping green hills, plum trees, you know, beautiful organic farms. And, you know, there's a monastic community, probably, you know, 60 to 70 monks. Mm -hmm. And you get people coming in to do retreats all through the years. So you get people from all walks of life. There was successful businessmen who come there to learn the tools of meditation and, mm-hmm. and stopping and quieting and taking control of their emotions. There were people who were very sick, mm-hmm. mental health issues who come to learn, you know, instead of just, you know, taking medication, they want to try to take more control and learn meditation and different tools. Um, and even some of the monks themselves had great stories. Some of them were very successful. There was a millionaire there who, you know, was a successful businessman and there was psychologists and doctors. So, you know, it was... It, pretty eclectic mix of people and you know you you know you, you might spend you know start the day with sitting meditation at 5 30 a.m and then a little break and breakfast and then walking meditation then there might be a talk mm-hmm. by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's such an impressive dude and um you know and you learn all these different things throughout the day um super yeah obviously very very different because you know without your phone for the first couple of days i was you know found myself reaching for my pocket yeah, and mm-hmm. you know no wallets and all these sort of things that you crave i guess yeah. when did you when when did that point kind of start tipping for you where you started to feel a, a bit of joy about what you were doing at this monastery mm. when you when you were like shit i think i'm enjoying this like something's resonating with me you know, it, well, it took a while it wasn't you know a week or two it was mm. it was well, you're very uncomfortable and i think that's a key point because we run away from that discomfort all the time mm. we never actually feel it and then Sort of, I guess when it's, you sort of start breaking down those habits, you know, four, four weeks into it and you're meeting different people and you mm-hmm. sort of, you know, I was so, I was so black and white and so opinionated and so strong that, you know, mm-hmm. this sort of, you need time to sort of soften the edges, I guess. And yeah, I, man. I think like there's a quote by Faroe who says, you can't dream yourself into character, but you have to hammer and forge one. And I think those yeah. four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks of being super uncomfortable and sitting with it, yeah. not running away was, you know, the hammering and forging. Yeah. I tell you what, even listening to you now and talking about that kind of dichotomy you're talking about from old Ev to kind of new Ev, like I can't help but 
identify parts of my life hmm. where I, I know I kind of have those distractions. I know I want that gratification. I know there's times where I'm not emotionally intelligent and I let, you know, anger or something, hmm. you know, kind of overcome me. So it's it's awesome to hear. But I also want to hear, like, what are the, some of the tools that you did learn? Like, and I'm sure it's not just a one quick fix, you know hmm. what I mean? I'm sure, shit, it sounds like it took a month, you know? Yeah. But, that, but that's incredible. Well, it took three months and then a year after it to you you know, yeah, Did you on. fall back into those old, when you, so you leave the so, monastery, do you ever, do you fall back into those sort of old habits of needing that instant gratification? and Or is it you've trained yourself up enough? Um, I think sometimes, but I'll, I'll talk about some of the tools you yeah. learn there because I think that's super important because obviously, you know, you, once you learn the sort of, you have it in your toolkit, so when you start feeling those things, you've you got something to go back to. Mm. Whereas prior, like, you know, we talked about New Orleans earlier mm. and, you know, if that's not a, a pivotal event where you sort of make some change in your life, you know, what else is, you know? And I remember saying to myself, when I go back from New Orleans, you know, sh- you know I've got to do something differently, but just telling yourself, you need to do something differently. It only lasts for six to eight weeks yeah. and then you're back into the habits takeover and you start, you know, doing what you did before. You know, what you need to do is actually learn, you know, have something there to, to when you do fall back in there because it's inevitable that, you know, the way it's life human is. nature. Yeah, like, you know, life's inevitable that you're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. You're going to be sad. You're going to have things that don't go well. You're going to have failings. Mm-hmm. That's just life it is. And it's not about always being happy. It's just having the tools that allow you to still function well when you are sad. Mm. And um, I heard this awesome quote. I was talking about like how they're saying, um, like for example, the self help industry can actually kind of be doing harm because sometimes people you need to experience sadness. Like, what are your hmm. thoughts on on that call? Like, instead of trying to avoid it, and oh well, you no. need to be unhappy and figure it out. I don't know. Is yeah, that- well, you, you you can't avoid it. It's part of life. It, mm. It's going to happen every day. If you're just trying to be happy all the time and avoid all the things that don't feel good, then you're going to suffer eventually. Yeah. And a great quote by Thich Nhat Hanh, who started this, and he says, you can't run away from your suffering. The trick mm. is not to run away from your suffering. And I can see that mm. prior to my stint, all I ever did was that, using sex, drugs, alcohol, even mm. relationships and technology just to make the race mm. that much faster, you know. So, you know, if you're trying to avoid things, you know, eventually they're going to catch up with you. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the tools you're going to talk about? Um well, a simple thing that we can all do every day, but when I first started doing it, I was like, wow, this is ridiculous, is walking meditation. Is there an app for that? <laughs> <laughs> there probably yeah. is. <laughs> so, walking meditation. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because we've got, yeah, we're talking about habit energy, and mm. we've got built up years yeah. and years of habits. When we're walking somewhere, we're thinking about where we're going, what we're doing, another hundred things. We're not actually walking and looking around us. We're, yeah. You know, our head's 30 metres in front of us saying, you know, I want to do this, what's for dinner, what's for lunch, yeah. or, you know, thinking about all this sort of stuff. And if that happens every day, then you're yeah. just going to become overwhelmed and run down and stressed. You never give yourself a chance to rest, you know. Yeah, it's hard to go for a stroll and get the shits. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to do that. It's- but if your mind's still ticking over yeah. thinking of all your next things, that's that's mm. not a relaxing walk. So what's walking meditation, you're walking... And that's what you're so doing. So basically, you, be, you become aware. You can. There's, there's a few different methods. You, you know, you feel your feet on the ground. You bring your attention to your breath. You, you know, you focus on the noises around you, and you know, you the wind hitting your face, and you're just really trying to bring your your mind back to your body. I think that's a key thing. You know, our mind's always down mm-hmm. the road or three months in the past. If we just yeah. keep our mind in our body as, as much as possible, then I think that we're closer to our. Yeah, yeah I've I've spoken about that on other episodes of the podcast with myself. Mm. I'm never I never even finish a task before I'm thinking about mm. the next yeah. the next task or 
or something. So it just could be anything. But the, mm. the next thing to do before this is even finished, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. thinking ahead of if I do this step, I'm creating this step and the next mm. step. Yeah, it's, it's never just doing what I'm doing at, in anything. So. Yeah, well, that's what happens. You know, yeah. we we're rushing through this to get to the next best thing, and then yeah. we're rushing through that to get to the next yeah, best yeah. thing, and then it never stops. You know. Yeah, I'm more like I love the uh, excitement of starting something new, so that's why I just constantly do that. <laughs> <laughs> But it's um yeah no I know what you're saying it's yeah it's refreshing to hear that as well Ev because mm. we like in a couple of um, past episodes we've been talking about you know we seem to keep coming back to a um a familiar topic which is technology mm. and it's like how how bloody connected everyone is um at the moment and mm. and like I really feel that there is like a, a new wave coming in and it's and I think you're definitely riding it where it mm. is a bloody just have a disconnect. Mm. And just be and 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 find be comfortable with not having anything. It's yeah. like a like, p- push back against technology, sort yeah, of man. sort of thing. And but mm. in saying that, it's you've got to use it. Like I'm sure you, you know the happiness compass. That's that's how you connect to other people, mm. and mm-hmm. that's your connection to the yeah. world at the moment as well. So you can't. Well, you obviously can completely disconnect your brother and yourself mm. in the monastery. An example, but uh, mm. I, I don't think you can probably get through day to day life. No, mate, uh, and that's it. And therein lies the struggle. You can't certainly, completely yeah. disconnect, but you it's know, certainly I mean? a, an, an interesting time in the world. You know, like you know, I feel for the younger generations in a way because you know they're growing up in this world and they never never stop. You know, I said an interesting thing when I did this talk at this conference. I said, you know, with you know, built shopping centers hundreds of meters above the earth. You've built self-driving vehicles and networks that keep us connected 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But what we can't do is stop. Mm. You know, we can't enjoy being still and, mm. you know, peaceful and content. You know, we're always, you know, dry, striving. And I think that's what technology does. We're always, you know. Yeah. We've always got a tool there so we never feel uncomfortable. We never feel mm-hmm. sad. Has it changed a lot of things just in your life, your day-to-day, your relationships with people, uh, obviously, even just just family and stuff like that. Do you find you, yourself? I guess you said you're very black and white at mm. the start. You're more open to yeah, other think, ideas, and yeah, I think I've opened up so much. I used to be, I guess, you know, opinionated arsehole, you know, at times. And you know, I think if you the, the difference is you mentioned the first book to the second one. Mm. It's um, that's black and white. This is this. This is how it is. You know. Yeah. That's you know. That's I think that's great for life. We evolve. You know. That's yeah. uh, that's uh, that's what I was going to say to anyone reading or just going to read Evan's books, and we'll put them up on the Twitter and the Facebook. But you read the first book to the second mm-hmm. book, the sort of uh, I guess the change in sort of your mindset is is evident, mm-hmm. real evident. Just even from the stories and even the narrative of how it's written, mm-hmm. you can sort of you can tell that mindset sort of changing, which is that in between book one, book two. Mm. Uh, which book two is solitude? Uh, how is it? How, how doing, doing nothing, nothing can, can change the world? world. Yeah. So that's between the first ones, obviously Rat younger title. life. Yeah, awesome title. First ones, your younger life and traveling through mm. New Orleans. New Orleans to the second book, you've mm. gone to the monastery in the south of France, mm. and then this is that's what's come out of that. It's freaking. It's yeah. Have a read of them, guys. It's awesome. It's, like it's, when you put it, when you kind of. Play it out like that. Like it's it's pretty exciting what you're doing, Ev, and you you're having a bit of success um, by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's um, <coughs> I guess it's you know that word success. We can talk about that. Yeah, you know, what's the definition of success? I guess it's probably like similar to happiness. Everyone's got their own little you know mm-hmm. take on that. So you know, definitely, you know, things are rolling, and it's good to be able to sort of 
get you know jump on board a few guys and get different you know spreading the spreading the word a bit more too do you find like when like so you do a bit of traveling right and when you come back when you come back home you see the old dudes who you who were around the stomping ground when you were um you know going out chasing chasing birds on on the piss and mm. whatnot do you find yourself um when you when you chat with them who still might kind of be in that kind of do you know what i'm saying here mm. like they still might be in that kind of area where yeah. it is that instant gratification how do you um because obviously a friend you want to share mm. share how you feel about life share what you've learned how do you kind of broach that with your friends when you when you're like mm. oh man i know what he's doing but you know i, I don't want to just go and go hey yeah <laughs> listen one, i've got something to share you it's know? one of those things i think in general you know telling people what to do never works you know mm. you've got to just do your own thing and yeah and enjoy it and hopefully they see it or you know never ends well if you're telling people this is what you should be doing regardless of who it is and in what stage of life they are you just gotta you know if you're the friend you just be open and compassionate and yeah you know offer your story and whatnot if they they want to listen and ask questions you tell them if they're yeah not really open to that you you know hopefully they come to it in their own time but you know that that's the thing they like you know hopefully they do come to it in their own time and that's what we talked about experiences and mm-hmm. and changes of, perspe- of perspective yeah do you reckon a fruit like i was thinking like <laughs> and even like when i talk about facebook i feel like bad right now <laughs> but i was, I was no, well, it's like any it's like anything like you know i'm not saying give up sex and, and stop drinking you know if you're if you're drinking because you're bored and lonely and don't have anything else to do it's probably not going to end well yeah. eventually like sex if you're having sex because you're bored lonely and got nothing to do and the other person's got nothing to do either. It's probably not going to end well either. And same with Facebook. If you're using it because you're yeah. bored, lonely, got nothing else to do, it's not going to end well either. So yeah. I think <laughs> if you're using it for the right reasons, you know why you're doing it. Like if you you meet a cool girl and she's great and you you know it's, it's vibing, you know, have yeah. sex, have lots of it. You know, same yeah. with drinking. If you if you're not doing it because you're running away from something, escapism. If you're doing it because you're you know it's a great environment, catching up with old friends, yeah, enjoy yourself. But mm. it's same. You have to. I guess it all comes back to knowing why you're doing it. Yeah, that's and if right. you never stop to analyze it, then you yeah. never know, do you? Yeah, you need to. I like that. And don't. Who was it? Um, don't run away. What was the saying? That was right. Yeah, the trick is not to run away from your suffering. Don't run away from your suffering. But I wanted to ask you, right? So I was on Facebook. And you know, I've, uh, there's this um, explanatory media um, group called Vox, and they constantly got news about Donald Trump and blah blah blah, all the bloody political rigmarole that you know mm. everyone likes. Do you see that and think I couldn't give two shits? That is just I'm not even going to engage with it. Like you know what I mean? Like sometimes people want something to get angry at, want mm. something to sometimes want something to raise a voice at. You know what I mean? Do you find yourself going, nah, that doesn't really juice me at all. Yeah. I'm going to bypass that. I think before I used to, you know, I used to be really into that stuff and really wanted to get my opinion out there. But now I think I've just sort of let go and I control what I can control. And mm. you know, you know, if you're worrying about all that stuff all the time, you're going to be worried all the time. There's things popping up and yeah. Everywhere, if you're worried about what someone thinks or what they're doing, your your mind's going to be running nonstop. You know, give yourself a chance to yeah. have any peace of mind. You know, because that's interesting. Like the last census um, that was completed, when when people like tick the box for religion or spirituality, I can't remember what it was, but now we're at this place where there's more non-religious kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australians mm. who aren't a part of any kind of religious denomination, but they still consider themselves spiritual. You mm. know what I mean? So that's why it's interesting listening to 
your message because I, th- I feel deep down it's seated in spirituality, mm. like in this untangible thing that this inner kind of um, feeling, that like way of this inner experience that we all yeah. have. Like it's uh, it's very interesting how like there is a need that, for people to. That's what I was saying. In that sense, it's more people connect. They don't uh, consider themselves uh, to be a part of one religion, but they connect towards if they'll go into and they'll force to it would be more towards Buddhism, which I guess is probably that more spiritual mm, sort of yeah. way of, of sort of uh, of thinking and the more spiritual mm. religion, I guess, as yeah, well. Yeah, well, so I never had, you know, any idea of Buddhism before I went there. And I think I've, what I really liked about it was it was more of a practice. It's more of like a lifestyle. It's something you do every day to, to benefit your life. And like my brother was a monk. He never considered himself a Buddhist, funnily enough, so... So you know, hang on, I thought, isn't a monk a Buddhist? No? Yeah, well, there's so many monks and, you know, there's Christian monks and all this sort of stuff. He was in a Buddhist monastery, but, ah, okay. you know, like, he was there to practice meditation and mindfulness and all these tools that we can all use every single day rather than, you know. Is he, like, he's still over there now, He's actually brother? been back. He's been he's back, back for six months now. Yeah. And he's just sort of having a year, spending time for the family. And, and is, he, do, is there monasteries over here that he go to? Or? There's actually one, a centre in that same same thing, like Plum Village yeah, from yeah. Tignan There's one down in Victoria. So what nationality is that? Is it Thich Nhat Hanh? Thich Nhat Hanh is Vietnamese. Vietnamese mm. monk, and he's he's the the leader of. He's, or the, well, he's the one who started leader? it. He's, he's a pretty. He's an interesting guy. He's got a great story. Actually, he was um, in the Vietnam War. He was sort of influential in this sort of this peace movement and whatnot. And he actually got um, deported from Vietnam for all these sort of movements that he started. And he um, started the center in France. And then, as a result, there's one. There's one in Deer Park in San Diego. There's one in New York. There's one in Mississippi. There's you know a few in Asia. Mm. 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 Would you go? Would you go back to another one? So, you, if you're travelling through the states, which we chatted off air, and you're looking mm. at moving over over to the states, mm. if you're over there and you're in, is it Deer yeah, well, Park? Would you? Would well, you when go? I lived, when I lived in New York, I would go upstate a few hours and go to the one in um, Bluecliff. And you stay there for a couple of days, stay or you there go for there a couple and do of days. meditation yeah, stay there for a and week just re- reconnect to the inner self, or whatever. Yeah, you know, there's different retreats all the time. Might be for a week, might be for a mm. month. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been there on a few different occasions for a week retreat. I think it's good to just sort of, you know, not reconnect. I think you don't need to go to a monastery to reconnect. You can do it every day and mm. every night. You can do it in the, every morning, and mm. and I think that's important. Like to tell people, you don't need to go to a monastery in the forest for three months. You know, you can you can do it every single day. That's yeah. It's, uh, that's makes me. It's, it's interesting, Jordy. How do you can? How do you like uh, uh, um, spiritually? Um, I'm a bit like Ev sort of mentioned earlier. I, you don't because I do the whole thing of yeah. It's like I'll I'll change and you do that. I think Ev even mentioned you might do it for four or eight weeks or something like that, and mm-hmm. then you're going to slip mm, back into it. Back. And that's that's me. Like in a nutshell, I, I haven't had a. And it's this isn't a self-imposed ban. Oh, yes, it is. It's a self-imposed ban because I've, no one's making me do it. But I haven't had a drink for two weeks. Yeah, because I've I've gone and flown a gasket. <laughs> but I'll and I'll I'll keep for that. I'm going to go and blow that same gasket again and go. Oh, I don't need to do that. Yeah, I probably was chasing the drink for for good times. Not I wasn't running away for anything. Mm, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can do it in, to excess a huge amount. So I don't. Mm. I don't sort of, uh, I guess, to answer your question, I'm probably still in that that cycle, that perpetual cycle of sort of uh, not sort of having any way that it goes. I know, because it, it's, it's a question, like, I, very, I rarely think about, you know what I mean? Like you, like, you kind of have that intuitive feeling, like, 
you know what I mean? This is what I need to do. Like, for me, it's writing music, you know mm. what I mean? And, and I've well, been connected with that for so long. meditation in itself, you know? Yeah, that's... Because mm. when you were talking about going for a walk, for example, it's like, while you are walking, you're not thinking about life, you're looking ahead. You're, you're a part of something else, you, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you're, you're, your focus has shifted. And it tried, kind of made me start to think... Well, you know, like you think of religions as there's not a one size fit all. Like there's not one diet for all of us mm. that's going to make us feel healthy. You know, and it's, it sounds like a spiritual diet. It must be such an individualized kind of thing. Does that make sense? Like it's almost yeah, like, of course. It's like people need to identify. Well, what is it? What is it that brings me back? But you don't. I mean, you take little bits from here and there, and you mm. put to what works in. In your life and how you want, I guess, your story to be friggin' told at the end of the day. You're, mm. You should be the author of your own life yeah. sort of thing. So if you want to... I don't think anyone wants to be caught in a perpetual thing of, what like I've said, potentially running away from your mm. problems all the time. Yeah. But if you're, you're enjoying having a good time and you, you want you want the big bank account, so you, you go mm. and do your nine to five and you sort of... Uh, and, mm. that's, and you release on the weekend... Might mm. be whatever it is, sex, drugs, rock and roll, what it what it might be. That's mm. that's your choice. And mm. if, I don't know if you spend every Wednesday night doing yoga for an hour, and that's your connect back into it. Like that's your mm. sort of story you're telling. Like mm. it's yeah, not people, one size fits yeah, all. Yeah, if people you know taking the time to realise that's benefiting their lives and it's helping them, I guess become the best version of themselves. Mm. If they if they want it, or if they even want that. Mm. Um, you know, then what works for them? So how do you choose all those? Um, I guess so you've. Your causes through the happiness compass mm-hmm. is that places you've gone and you've 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 uh, I guess been on the ground sort of ground level and you've seen like you're talking about these school age children leaving by fourteen. Mm. Uh, is that all places you've visited throughout your travels and had some sort of connect there and thought there's there's something to do good in there? Whether it's you know I know there's someone in the Congo at the moment that's doing. Um, they're not putting wells in, but they're giving them the tools to do their own mm. wells for clean drinking. So it's not here's a problem yeah. I'm going to solve it. It's here's a problem we're going to do. We're going to give you the tools to be able to uh, do your own wells, mm. and then train other people throughout the Congo to do, mm. to yeah, do well, wells. So the only thing that's a better way, you know, it's sort of mm. you know, more sustainable. Mm. But so mm. do you do you travel and go to these places and then find a cause that you are, I guess. I guess you're not looking for a cause, but something you see is well, a... Yeah, well, when I was in Colombia last year, I was travelling through Central and South America, and just by coincidence, I met um, an Australian and his girlfriend who was Scottish, and they were going into a, a little sort of disadvantaged school in Bogota to be international teachers, and just by chance, hanging out for a few days, um, I told them about my children's books that I was, I was working on, and I told her one of them, and the content's about the big wide world. It's about, you know, you know the people and places and things and all these kinds of stuff like that and i was down in brazil a bit later and she emailed me and said you know can i use one of your stories for the kids i think the kids will love it like you know you know illustrating it and also get them thinking about all these things outside their life you know the world and people and things that they would never come across i said yeah for sure and then the the idea springed of um you know why don't we turn these illustrations into books and then recreate in other places you know not only the kids of bogota but the kids of mumbai we got um, one. We're in the in talks with now in an indigenous community in Northern Territory called Wadi Air, and um, and then all like what we're going to do with the kids of Wadi Air and the kids of Bogota, we're going to get them to do the actual same book. 
and, and then, then see how they perceive things differently growing cool. up in different cultures. You That's know? The, I, mm. I love that idea, mm. and it's also and it, I know Ev does some work for the Happiness. I mean, Simon does Simon, a lot. Yeah, he's doing that's something similar to one yeah, of his yeah. new film, mm. isn't it? Which is diff, the same story, I guess. Mm. How different people tell it and perceive it, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool way to kind of yeah gauge different cultural and perceptions of. A similar kind of theme. And then also at the end of that, you know, you mentioned about the wells, you know, like, you know, you're not just like a lot of, you know, charities do great things and they give them new books and they give them chairs and tables, and but that doesn't engage them. But then they go on the next, yeah, the next week. That doesn't engage them and wanted to learn, you know, and, and the added benefit is that, you know, my nephews and nieces are living in Nelson Bay or Newcastle living these privileged lives, then look at a book and they see faces of these kids in Bogota, Colombia, and they go... Hey, Dad, where are these kids from? Where's this place? And they go, that's over here on the map, and boom. And same thing happens when they get the kids in Mumbai. They go, these kids are in India. Where's India? And you know, they, so you, and straight away you, it you starts... You're discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rad. How do you get... That's in, how did you get into writing yeah, was, books? Because you've gone from, I guess, your first book. How old would have you been when you, that first um, book came out of? Maybe 25, 26. But had you done any anything previous to that? Like, did would you obviously did you study um, uh, writing through uh, tertiary education or no, anything? No, no. Well, I actually went studied marketing and worked in marketing and did a little bit of writing there, but it was more content copywriting stuff. But I think actually writing for like on things I really enjoyed was when I went travelling. Then my first big trip over Europe did ten months for Europe and North Africa. Mm. And just had a book and just started penning notes down. And so it was like a journal, more yeah, like a journal? just yeah. a journal. And that was the first time I really, probably in my life, started writing and just about things I've seen, different places, different experiences. And then when I got back, I sort of was reading through going, you know, maybe there could be someone here that, you know, could plant some seeds in my younger cousins who were doing things that I was doing, like dr- drugs, mm-hmm. alcohol, chasing after all these things. You know, maybe not get to give advice, but just to plant some seeds, get them to look at things a little bit differently. And that was my main intention for writing that first book. I had it all there. I was like, you know, this could be something here. And yeah. was was writing like always a strength growing up? Were you like, shit? How do I witches? Well, how do I spell the different witches? <laughs> <laughs> um, this might not even be a strength now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's because that's uh, like going from I want to write a book and having these ideas. Obviously, that you put down, you obviously can construct a sentence. Then how? What, what do you do? You knock out a book, and then are you self-publishing it? You go into like how's that sort of that? I think that's the disc for the normal person that goes. I'd like to write a children's book, or I'd like to. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got this mm. freaking cool journal from my travels through mm. Europe, or, but I don't know the path. But what's the path mm. to get that next freaking book out? Not that this is a he come, come and listen to podcast thirteen. This is a, <laughs> this a how is to. A, this <laughs> is a, this is a workshop on how to create a create a, a book, course. but. Uh, there's obviously, well, that's, I reckon that's the, with people that want to have some creative content out there, it's how do you get that step from, mm. I can do a short film or a TV show, I've got an idea for a podcast or a radio show or a book, that, that sort of next sort of step of... Yeah, well, it, yeah, well, obviously with you guys and everyone, you know, it starts with actually being passionate about what you're doing and then and then you, you learn about that naturally, you know, if you're just doing it for the wrong reasons, you're... you're, you're, you're Fizz out. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's just a matter of, you know, I had all this stuff. I started writing and put it into a pro- proper framework where I, where I thought could reach people and resonate with them and then uh, reached out to a lot of publishers, a lot, like a lot, and a lot of rejections and that's part of the process. And then eventually one came back and said, you know, I like this, let's make some changes. And then 
Boom, went from there. Yes. Do you do you like re- go back through your books and you go, this paragraph here is my Hall of Fame. This is the best <laughs> shit. This is the best paragraph I've probably ever written. Yeah, I go back and think about a lot of the bad ones. <laughs> yeah, the worst you, know? I mean, like, you can pick yeah. your shit. There's some bad ones different. in there that if someone read now, like when I was super opinionated, they'd be like, this guy's... <laughs> He's yeah. a jackass. Yeah. Yeah. His compass is on south. <laughs> <laughs> so then I guess so you, I've... You also you're you're doing some stuff for film now as well, aren't you? Is that right? Have, have you got an idea that's out there? Oh for you yeah, want yeah. to put some put some of that stuff into a sort of a film? Um, well, I wrote a screenplay mm. based on that story, and um, this in the that's in the works well, now. Mm. See, uh, that's awesome. If, have a read of that book because that'll be a freaking killer little screenplay. Mm. That's uh, a film that that makes. Yeah, was I actually did a talk um, a few nights ago when we were talking about resilience because it's sort of a key thing at the moment, and and um, one of the things that popped up was was that how that started, and that was because you know I got from my second book, I got my you know my publisher came back you know every three months with the sales report. I was the first three months, and I was like, you know. Still remember laying in bed, about to open up the email, thinking, you know, five thousand copies sold, ten thousand, you know, pretty good book. And the number came through was forty nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, my mum probably bought ten of them. You know? <laughs> so, um, dude, I know all too well yeah. about that circumstance. Yeah. And I sat there for, yeah. And this comes back to positivity, and you know, yeah, I guess learning the tools to sort of become aware of when you're creating all these stories that are negative. And for the first, you know, twenty seconds, like, oh. I'm a really bad writer. I need to give up. You know, that, that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I need to get some new friends that have been buying my books. All that kind of stuff. And then, you know, a second later, I snap myself out of it instead of creating this story that goes on for a week or two weeks, a month, or a year, and eventually you're super negative and jaded. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, one, people don't probably don't know about it. So I went and sent 10,000 emails to people for talks and conferences to try to get talks going. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe it'd be better as a movie. So I, was, I went and got a few books from the shop and started writing a screenplay. That's awesome. Mm. And so that's something that's in the in the works now. That screenplay. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. Funnily enough, I was in Nicaragua last year surfing, and we're going to this party, and I was with two American mates, and I was lining up about to get tickets. Beautiful girls everywhere, and um, I thought, you know, I've done this thousands of times. So I said, "Boys, I'm out," and I ran down, jumped in the back of a truck, and went surfing down the coast just through this forest and there was one other guy out there he was 45 years old from america anyway we ended up surfing all day having dinner going surfing the next day and i said yeah i've been working on this screenplay and he said um my best mate owns a production company in la and then so now he's over there reading it not to say that he's gonna buy it but it's over there now you know it's those <laughs> those encounters aren't <laughs> they? those two you, sliding you, doors yeah, yeah. You, that's just sliding doors you're right? the good Gwyneth Paltrow right now <laughs> in, this, in this version yeah <laughs> uh. So what are your vices then? Like you said just then, I've, I've done this a million times. Have you got any vices now? Like you, I've done this a million times. I'm not going into this club and party and mm. doing all this. And before Jody answers, ask uptown. Before you answer that, like, do you feel like because it's party message, like the happiness compass? Like, do you feel like hard to even say you have a vice? Like, is it? No, no, no. Um, like a physical vice, isn't that? Oh, no, that's a clamp. Oh, it's <laughs> funny, like, you know. I've, yeah, from the happiness comes, but I don't think life's about being happy, you know. We mentioned before, I think it's about having a full life and an engaged life, and with that comes ups and downs, with that comes suffering and sadness. It's about being able to live when you're sad and still function well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we still have vices. Um, what are they? 
Maybe. Good. Because my wife is probably punting. And um, I tell you what, if my dad went to a happiness compass, like a conference where it was like, if you come to this, I'm going to show you how to get Cornell's up all the time. Here we go. I'm in. <laughs> that's a marketing thing. That's, they, so that, you did that speak you were saying the other night ago. That was in, uh, was out this way, wasn't it, in Penrith? Mm. That's pretty cool. There's people. Yeah. Are you enjoying the talking? Um, yeah, it's good. It's always um, fascinating doing it to different crowds because, you know, two weeks ago I did it at the Happiness and Its Causes conference and that was obviously people who paid a lot of money to get a ticket and, and you know that Responsive, it's like- going to resonate with them. And, like, that was a bit of an older crowd. There was, you know, old women and I was like, oh, I'm talking about sex and drugs a little bit here. And you feel like, ooh. And then the next day there's old 50-year-old ladies. Oh, I love that, darling. That was great. <laughs> and, um, and, and that's cool. And then, you know, you're doing a talk out here and obviously, like, you know, there aren't a lot of people doing talks in, in Western Sydney as much as what they are, as you mentioned, Bondi and Northern Beaches. So. Yeah. And I was surprised a lot of people loved it too, you know, it resonates oh, with people. So. There's got, that's, that's, I was one of those conversations, like I was saying, with that, uh, I was saying there's that bubble over the sort of east and suburbs and Northern Beaches and stuff. There's, there's, some, there's a movement going on now, sort of not to area code again, friggin' mm. for your snob, but there's something coming on Penrith. People want that. Mm. What do you reckon of, that is, but dude? Like, like I, th- I think of that area, right? Um, it is expensive as fuck. So if, you, if, you've, gr- if you've grown up there, there's a good chance that you, it's going to be hard to live in that in that area. Would you agree? Yeah, to, to stay purchase. in that area. Yeah, this is what this is my thought on why it stays there is because people don't want to uh, leave the northern beaches if, if we're calling it the northern beaches. So, if you're creating, if you're creative, or your sort of uh, work life or, or whatever you're doing is a creative base, you can probably stay in that area and don't have to move to where the work is. You're bringing it towards yourself mm-hmm. as well. I don't know. Maybe the backdrop of the ocean and some bit more laid back lifestyle and not the pressure to go out and get a nine to five and sit mm. in the m4 traffic and all that friggin bullshit the Maybe ocean that helps too yeah the ocean's got to be part of it and i mean being coastal like mm. but I, I like what you said earlier um how you're talking about it's good to be around like-minded people like that that's a, the most like you talk yourself like when you got open that email you had 48 Sold 48 copies mm. of your book. You know what I mean? It's the people... 45. Are, 45. <laughs> I wish it was 48. I would have made it Sorry, I'll just, I want to inflate that number for you. Um, but you know you what I mean? sorry, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you, you want to surround yourself with like-minded, meet, mm. like-minded people because that environment's a big part of... Well, yeah, exactly. If you, you know, I was surrounding myself with negative people, I would have, you know, given up and, you know, thought that, yeah. And there's no next book and there's no happiness compass mm. and there's no mm. wells in Rwanda and there's no friggin' drawings in... Where are you going next for your drawings? Machu Picchu. Who knows? Anyway. So, dude, I think uh, that's friggin' been awesome. We're, what we're going to do, we're going to put some links up on Facebook, Twitter, just for all your stuff that's going yeah, on. Um, we'll chuck some links up to you. We've got some talks coming up so people can go and check that out. Evan Sutter, thank you very much. Evan, thank you for you coming on the show. Freaking legend! This has been cool. We'll uh, we're going to chat again. I think because there's a lot of untouched. Yeah, uh, we could definitely find more. There's 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 another four hours here. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, we're on a time uh, limit today, but we out. Peace, cheers, boys.